Hello and welcome to episode two of our new Flourishing podcast. I'm delighted to be here recording this with Mr Wild Goose. We're continuing talking about our theme for the turn, our flourishing theme, which is kindness. And we're going to talk about it now from a philosophical um, point of view. So, uh, Mr Wild Goose, welcome. Hello, nice to be here. Um, tell me, Mr Wild Goose, has the idea of kindness something that's always been of interest to philosophers? Yeah, I think so. I think maybe the idea of kindness is distinct from acting morally, which I think is what philosophers are principally involved with. Because being kind is quite um, subjective, perhaps, and ambiguous. And, and what philosophers are often looking for is why should we behave in a, in a moral way? Um, I think it does tie into things like um, being happy is dependent on more than yourself. It's a classic philosophical idea that it's called the paradox of hedonism if you concern yourself only with what makes you happy in the immediacy you'll ultimately be unhappy so i think it is a very it's a yeah it's an old an old concept but it's one that's been disagreed upon for a while and am i right in thinking that they often look at something called altruism as much as kindness and can you talk to us very quickly about what that means and is there a difference between the two well altruism is the idea of like doing for others without um without anything in return right so goodness in and of itself um, there is there is a there is a kindness a difference kind of often we think of kindness in sort of a sort of transactional way or for things we can get back from it. Um, there's a famous bit in uh, Plato's Republic, which is an, an early uh, classic of philosophy, where they're talking about uh, why one should behave in a just or moral way. And there's the villain of the piece, a guy called Thrasymachus, he's a sophist, and he says goodness or justice is only worthwhile for its consequences. So being just or being seen as being just is worthwhile but actually being just is not important um, and Plato wants to show that goodness is important not just for its consequences but in and of itself um, and ultimately the book The Republic is all about that even though it's wrapped up in this metaphor about the perfect state it's actually really about why you should be good even if no one knows about it but it's really it's actually really hard to do that <laughs> Okay. Um, and you mentioned um, that this is something which has been involved and engaged with the philosophers since Plato and probably before, but we don't have as many records of those kind of things. But when we spoke beforehand, you said you wanted to talk about Kant um, today. So can you give us a little bit, a, a minute on who Kant is um, and why he's so important? Well, Kant's, uh, Kant was born in 1724 in a place of Konigsberg, which is now in Russia, but was then in Germany or Prussia, really. Uh, speaking to a historian, um, and he grew up in sort of a lower middle class family and was plucked out of like, obscurity by this pastor guy. He knew his family, said, This kid's really clever, let's put him, give him a bursary, which we love, obviously, to a, uh, to a good school, but a very strict religious school. And he, he was obviously brilliant. Um, and he went off to Konigsberg University and then graduated, became a tutor, but he was like a polymath. He was very good at lots of different subjects. So he lectured on physics and geology and geometry and maths. And then eventually when he was 31, got offered this place, um, not a full professorship, but a lectureship in metaphysics and logic, which is a sub part of philosophy. Um, but he quickly became known as like one of the brightest people in, in Europe. Um, he used to have to get up at six o'clock in the morning, apparently to get to his lectures. Like if you woke up later, you weren't there an hour before, you wouldn't get a space. Um, <laughs> when we when we love that sort of attendance, Mr. Jones, <laughs> a bit like a bit like your lessons, Mr. Wallace. Yeah, in reverse, right? <laughs> <laughs> but 
speaking for someone who is not a philosopher and doesn't have the knowledge that maybe you and others have, um, is Kant a slightly surprising choice? Doesn't he have a reputation of being a little bit dour, a bit of a rationalist in his approach? Yeah, well, he is completely, he is a complete rationalist about this. Whereas most of us think of like kindness, oh, I'm doing kind things because it makes me feel so good. Oh, look at these starving children, aren't they so important? And making these decisions out of emotion, um, which is often why we give the charity, isn't it? Often, I mean, a lot of philosophers say it's just to alleviate guilt. We give to charities which make us feel guiltier, perhaps. Whereas Kant is saying you should do these things for no other reason other than this is your moral duty to do so. And so it does, if you're doing it for a buzz or because it helps you out or makes you feel better, you're doing it for the wrong reason, which is which is the opposite. I was listening to um, your your first episode where understanding positive psychology, part of the joy of kindness is what we get back and our own growth. Whereas Kant would reject that. And so the only reason to do something moral is have something called the goodwill. Um, doing duty for duty's sake. So it's surprising, but ultimately I think the best choice. Can you maybe give us a bit more of an example of what he means by this idea of duty and how it fits into our lives? Yeah. So when you're making a decision about a moral issue, right, um, you should work out whether everybody else in the world could feasibly perform that action without it leading to something called a contradiction in the will. So let's say... Um, yourself comes into my classroom with a new haircut mr jones we're ready for those days aren't we um me especially um and you say how does it look and i think oh mr jones looks a bit sensitive so i think i'm gonna say it looks really good even though it may only look quite good right um right i'm saying that um i'd settle for quite good yeah so i'm I'm, I'm lying right because i think oh lying in this instance is fine because it's for this kind purpose or this idea of what you know whatever but Cam would say, well, if you, you wouldn't want to live in a society where everybody lied. So it leads to something called a contradiction in the will. I at once want to tell you your hair is very good, but I also don't want to live in a world where everyone lies. So I can't do that. So I can only perform moral actions which can be universalised. So it leads to a very rigid system whereby you should treat people with respect. He was all about that. He said that every human being is worthy of uh, respect and dignity. Um, but it's, it's objective and unchanging. So certain actions you must perform, other actions you mustn't perform. And these actions that we must perform, is that what he means by the categorical imperative? I think that's the key term, is that right? Yeah, exactly, right? So he says um, there's things called moral maxims, which are like ideas you might throw around, like you should give to charity, you should be kind, you shouldn't lie. And if it passes these things called the three formulations, if it passes these like three tests, it becomes a categorical imperative, like an unambiguous command, that means. So, um, for example, um, the first formulation is, can you universalize it, which is covered? Can everyone do it? Second one, does it avoid using people? So you can't do anything that uses people, right? So I may come in late to a meeting you're sharing, and you may think, oh, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll punch Mr. Wilkes in the face as a warning to everyone else, right? All right? And it might be very effective. You might think, oh, well, no one else can be late for my meetings again. But because you're using me as a means to the end of, like, better attendance in the meetings, that, that doesn't pass. And the third one is um, act as though you're living in a kingdom of ends. Easier talk is, easier definition of that is, would you do this in an ideal world? So just because everyone else is lying around you doesn't mean you can lie. You should imagine you're living in a kingdom of ends, an ideal world. Okay, so we bring that back to kindness then. Does it make us more kind or does it take away a bit from the idea of kindness? Because if we're just doing nice things 
because it's our duty are we not doing them because of kindness if i had a friend who was in hospital um, and i thought right i have to go see him because i want to go see him and check that he's better because i want to do something kind does that take away because i'm not doing it because it's my duty i see what you mean i mean cam would say i mean cam might think about whether that is a moral thing or not um you go and see your friend and whether that's an issue of friendship um perhaps i think i'd flip it on its head and i would say that we've got we live in a society where people are kind because they because of the reason you're expressing right other points of view but the average person in the uk gives um like 50 quid for charity a year right but if you look at a religious system say like islam that where there's a duty because one of the pillars of islam is you've got to give this percentage 2.5 percent to charity they give nearly 600 pounds a year so i, I do I, I know it's the reason why cancer is unpopular um, is that you don't want to think you're giving out a duty and it does seem a bit you know, schopenhauer called it cold and dead like not what it means to be a human being um but i think it is effective because when you do things out of duty you actually do them whereas you know when you think oh i should do that it's like waking up waking up on time to go to work i'm sure you do that every day in term time, Mr. Jones. But I'm sure sometimes in the holidays you think, you know what, I am going to have an extra, you know, 30 seconds in bed before my kids wake me up or whatever, right? Um, because you're acting out of like emotions and feelings and not out of duty. Um, yeah. So can you develop that a little bit? Uh, I think you try, you're getting to a point where you're telling us about the benefits of Kant's approach when we're thinking of kindness. Could you just speak to us about that? Yeah. So if you, if you follow Kant, it makes you treat other human beings with respect regardless of what you uh, regardless of what you think of them um it's easy to be kind to your friends and family right that's where most people are fine aren't they right one would hope but being kind to people you've never met say somebody in a developing country someone you know someone you, you don't understand a refugee that the, that the media is telling you you should dislike that's difficult to do but if you if you are a kantian you're going to have this view that all human beings regardless of their background are worthy of respect and therefore matter and so it's not just the person you meet in Wickham Abbey who perhaps isn't suffering some great uh, difficulty, although maybe it's right. But even, say if you take it in Wickham Abbey, there might be somebody who's having a bad time and you don't know that. But if you're kind to everyone you meet because it's your duty, you won't inadvertently make that person's uh, you know, life worse by you know, not opening the door for them or whatever. Um, I think it's that basic human respect for other people and that unyielding it. A lot of ethics, I think, is the ethics of convenience. We're ethical as far as it suits us, right? And as soon okay. as, as soon as it stops, as soon as it's an imposition, say I'm not doing it. So we all like recycling, right? Everyone loves recycling. Easy. The government does most of the work for you, right? And it's it's a physical thing that makes you feel better. I'm going to separate my recycling, right? You like doing that. Everyone does, right? Can't get enough of it, right? But no one doesn't. Everyone likes flying, okay? But flying is far worse in the environment than not recycling. But because it's inconvenient to not fly, we don't do it. Whereas Kant would say, although he doesn't, he doesn't mind so much about the environment, but we're taking it down to what's called duty-based. You would, it would force you to think your decisions through and your ideas through. So if I get in this correct, it's partly about how we get to the right duties and how we get to the right imperatives. And if we as a society can agree on, on one such as being kind and we think that if it was a duty for us to consider our kindness and act in a way that we consider kind that actually following this Kantian approach would help us by making it something we did all the time more often and made us do despite the fact that there could be obstacles yeah. I mean say 
you want to be quite specific with can to say sort of like um be pleasant to people and help people when you can maybe we'll call that kindness right yeah he absolutely would say that is a categorical imperative you have to do it right sometimes you don't feel like helping people but if you're accounting you will right and so i think it is ultimately very helpful um because it doesn't rely on your emotions um and feeling i'm going to feel happy and you know kind today if you really follow it you'd be kind all the time so yeah i think it's completely useful if you think of kindness as a duty like getting to work on time you'll be kind more okay that's been fascinating thank you very much mr wild goose um i i in the end of our last question i suppose there are probably plenty of other philosophers since Kant who've had lots to say on similar topics and have disagreed with him. Um, but are his views still held in much regard by philosophers today? Well, I think he's viewed as a, a philosophical genius and somebody whose other works um, are really held in high esteem. I think the actual Kantian ethics is problematic because it's so fixed and inflexible. So whilst I consider myself, I try to live um, I, if I'm asked what ethic I believe, I do believe in Kant, but it's really difficult. Um, it's and so it's nowhere near as popular as lots of other because it's so difficult. Like try try living your life not lying, right, or not or not using people uh, disproportionately. But just because it's unpopular doesn't mean it's wrong. That's the key thing with philosophy. <laughs> so yeah, there's lots lots of critics. I'm not saying it's the, I'm not saying it's the, the right way. Well, I am saying that, but it's, it's not philosophy isn't saying it. <laughs> Okay, brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Wargoose. It is, as always, a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I hope uh, that everyone listening to this podcast has enjoyed our catch-up with Mr. Wargoose and the possibility of the time to think about kindness from a philosophical point of view. Until next time, keep flourishing and have a great day.